0: This is a News Laundry podcast, and you're listening to sessions from the Media Rumble 2018.
1: Let me just get right to it, Campbell. I think, you know, you joined Facebook about a year and a half ago now. um, And I think what was perceived that the reason you were brought in was really to help bridge the trust deficit uh, between Silicon Valley and publishers all over the world. Uh, Firstly, is that a fair description of why you were brought in?
2: um yeah yeah i mean i sort of i think about it as as you know we're very different you know kind of animals (laughs) if you will um people who work in tech versus people who have a background in media and there are are not a lot of people at facebook still who have um experience in media and we're growing the team um and and recruiting people who do to help um, the tech side of the company really understand what publishers need. We've sort of changed the way that we operate with publishers um, in terms of product development, sort of before it was very much, you know, an engineer in Silicon Valley would think of something that they thought publishers might need or want and they would um, make the product and ship it and then publishers often went, wait a minute, this is not useful. This is not what my newsroom needed or my uh, paper needed. And so now um, having people who are in the room and present and bringing publishers into the conversation early um, and having them have an impact on the product development piece um, has really, I think transformed the work we're doing so that we Get at least closer to what publishers are looking for.
1: Sure, and I think you know. Uh, I, firstly, as a publisher, I, I welcome the conversation that Facebook has been initiating with us. It seems, uh, it seems genuine, uh, uh, you know, which wasn't the case a few years ago uh, from most Silicon Valley. So, 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 so I welcome that, uh, and I think most of us do. Um, but we're, what we're seeing is a lot in the recent past, a lot of downranking of news, on the news feed. Uh, is that is that is that really happening yeah
2: or? well let me put in context some of the changes that we've made because they're big changes um and you you might have remember mark made an announcement um in january of this year about um a, a change that was sort of foundational to what the company needed to do um which is Uh, what we called meaningful social interactions. We would now be optimizing for meaningful social interactions between friends and family as opposed to just engagement, which is how it was before. And part of the reason behind this is that um, there was so much, really video mostly, but a lot of content, not just news, but entertainment, sports, cat videos, um, that was had increased so massively in Newsfeed that it was crowding out interactions between friends and family. And Facebook is and always will be about friends and family first, connecting friends and family first. That's the company's whole mission. So Newsfeed, because of all what what I would call public content coming from publishers, um, but every kind, again, sports, entertainment, whatever, was getting to the point where it was crowding out a post, say, from my sister that had cute pictures of my nieces and nephews. And um, so there was a reduction made uh, to bring down overall the amount of public content. Um, And that impacted news just as it did everything else. Um, What we're trying to do now, though, is change the ratio of the kind of news that is boosted or highlighted that people um, see in their feed so we have begun a process and we're spending a lot of time talking with publishers about this to try to understand you know how we define quality journalism i mean it's it's a hard question if you think about it it's you know probably there would be probably a lot of different definitions of what quality journalism is if, if we just asked people in the room but um we are beginning to boost publishers who are broadly trusted, um, asking our community through surveys to to tell us the articles and news stories um, that they find most informative. And we're giving a boost now to local news publishers. I know that that means different things in different parts of the world, um, but local and regional publishers, we're trying to boost the connection between people that are in their geographic area uh, with those publishers so they'll see a boost. It, it's, you know, if if my first year, sort of post the US election, um, the company was really focused on fighting the bad, getting the bad stuff out of newsfeed and, and focusing on addressing false news. This step has been about elevating the good and trying to figure out ways through ranking that we um, can make sure that quality journalism is getting more visibility. It's, and it's a work in progress, I'm the first to say that. And, and as publishers know, it's a bumpy ride uh, trying to predict what our algorithm is gonna do and figure that out. And there's just an inherent difference, I think, between the way that media publishers operate and the way a tech company operates, where tech is so focused on change everything's about change and innovation, and it's really hard if you're on the other side of that when you're trying to um, plan and, and predict what's gonna happen to have a stable business. And we know that, that's just that's kind of a tension that's always gonna exist. I guess my approach has been to, to, to at least try to be as transparent as we can with publishers about changes when they're happening so that you can prepare better.
1: And, you know, you mentioned, I mean, you have mentioned this right now that, you know, businesses, it's going to be tough for for publishing businesses. Um, And there are quite a few who have built their entire business models around Facebook. Um, And they have evidently taken a hit because of changes in your algo, major changes in your algo, BuzzFeed, maybe now this to some degree. Um, What is the conversation like with them now?
2: Um, These conversations you know if you're struggling as a publisher are hard Um, they're really hard conversations and critically important I mean I spent most of my life as a journalist so we are on this journey together um, to try to figure out long term what the new business models are going to be that support journalism it's not um you know, there's, I don't have to tell you this, there, there's a massive transition that's underway, huge disruption in news generally. And, and that, in fairness, started well before Facebook, um, but we are going through it, and it's a painful process. Almost all of my friends are journalists, so I'm, I'm watching how different publications and news organizations are dealing with it differently. But I think we don't know yet like, what's really going to work. Um, for a lot it's subscriptions, and so I know that's less of an issue here. Um,
1: we but would like it to be an issue. I just don't know whether the audience <laughs> yeah. would support that.
2: Yeah, uh, but it has been a huge focus in other parts of the world. In the U.S., lots of news organizations are moving to subscription models. The same in, in Europe. So we are put. We introduced a paywall, which is a new product um, for Facebook. Uh, just in a test this year that um, it's going to help support those publishers. But that, you know, to your point, it's not, subscriptions doesn't work for everyone.
1: But the one thing that we think, you know, while there has been, uh, and while news keeps sort of changing and adapting to the new world, uh, would you accept, uh, you know, as a journalist yourself, that the world has never been as polarized as it is today? Anywhere in the world, whether it's Philippines, India, UK, France, Turkey, U.S.? Um. I
2: I don't know if that's the case. It certainly feels that way. Um, But, you know, people often talk about Facebook and filter bubbles, you know, and how we're all living in our own little world in part due to social media. But I've never really bought into that. I mean, when I was... You know, young Walter Cronkite was the, you know, basically the, the newscaster that everyone adored, and and I, I often hear people say to me, like, oh, if only we could go back to those good old days of Walter Cronkite and just one or two newspapers, but I, you know, Walter Cronkite in those days, there were no women in newsrooms. There were no people of color in newsrooms. So that was its own filter bubble. You were getting a very different perspective on the world because um, because of how it was being covered. So I'm not sure that you know, things aren't improved. I, I feel like they are. There's certainly access to so information. So Facebook has made
1: it better for information dissemination as well as more Sources of of, of news and, and, and content, you think, for the world?
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: You mentioned false news uh, earlier, uh, fake news. Um, what has Facebook done in the last since you joined last one and a half years? Do you think it is it is it's a better platform that has less fake news uh, than it was one and a half years ago?
2: Definitely. Um, this was a, a you know something that we take extremely seriously. Um, and poured a lot of resources into trying to address the problem. Um, and, and I'll just kind of explain how we're thinking about it a little bit. Um, what we found is that most of what I think you characterize as false news is actually financially motivated. And so there are steps that can be taken to disrupt the financial incentives. So it's sort of similar to how spammers operate. Um, so there's been a lot of success in that, and, and let me be clear, you're never going to eliminate fake news. It's like crime. You can reduce crime, but it's never going to go away. Um, but we've had a lot of success massively, I think, reducing those sort of hoaxes in the, and the people especially who were there to, um, to, you know, take you, mislead you and take you to an ad farm in, in order to try to make money. Um, it's a little bit of a harder challenge when you have bad actors who are trying to use the platform to, um, you know, for for creating chaos, as, as we have seen. Um, but we've become much better at identifying a fake accounts that are often used in these cases, and we um, are removing literally, we talked about this yesterday when I saw you, millions of, of fake accounts from the platform all the time. We have teams now that are focused solely on election integrity, um, and we'll be very focused on that here, given what's going on. The, the, the third part of it, it's sort of a three-pronged approach, the third part of it that's very important is third-party fact-checking. And we have partnerships now in 17 countries with um, publishers or, or fact-checking organizations that help us identify when there is a false story on Facebook, so that it can the distribution for it can be greatly reduced. And we've partnered with Boom here, um, and hopefully we will be building a much broader coalition of of publishers and fact checkers here as we think about the election coming up. It's been very effective, I think, in reducing um, what we were seeing before.
1: So is this, uh, so can we call this a lesson learned after the US elections? To have fact checkers in place, is that the major lesson learned?
2: Yes, absolutely. I mean, we've learned a lot of lessons, and I think we're still learning. Um, but. Uh, so
1: how will Facebook, how will elections in India next year, how will election campaigning on Facebook pages, how will it be different this election than it was last election?
2: Well, I. We have now resources, I mean, real resources. Mark you know, said very publicly that as a company, it was going to impact our profitability because we were going to be pouring so many resources.
1: But you have into enough profitability, we're not, okay. that's, not, that's not a concern right? <laughs>
2: um, but that you know, hiring literally thousands of people to focus on this in a way that the company hadn't before. So um, there, there are teams of people who are thinking about it. And making it a huge priority, um, the you know election integrity is, as as everyone knows, incredibly important, and it's something that we have to prioritize. That and security on the platform, you know, people's privacy, obviously, um, data security, and they, these are, you know, having again learned some painful lessons. These are huge priorities for the company now.
1: You mentioned data security, and uh, I'm just assuming this is going to come up at some point, but um, you know that there has been a draft uh, uh, data protection bill uh, that was made public about five days ago. And I think one of the main things which is interesting to see if it sort of gets passed and sort of if it will be taken into consideration is the idea that any data of Indian citizens uh, has to be stored in India. Um, There are several other obviously clauses in this uh, proposed bill, but um, how would Facebook react to uh, to a strong Indian version of a GDPR?
2: So this is not my area of expertise, but my understanding from our policy team is this is really relatively new and very detailed and a draft, so there's no bill quite yet. But um, they, they'll be studying it and and not really taking a position until they fully understand what exactly is in it.
1: Video has been a big sort of area of focus for Facebook for a long time now. And how, and how to tackle video, really, how to sort of get video consumption increased uh, is something that Facebook has sort of not been quite consistent with uh, in terms of product rollout and also what they're expecting from, from producers, from content uh, producers. So so your uh, what's the dynamic sort of movement on video?
2: So we, we have introduced in the U.S. Um, what we call Watch, which is a... a video only surface that um, has um, been exciting. Um, we've recently added a news section to Watch uh, where um, we are uh, paying publishers for content to do programs that are specific to Watch and specific to Facebook, um, different kinds of news programs. We have a pretty diverse set of publishers who are working with us on this. Um, It is early days, so, you know, we're seeing some exciting results. Anderson Cooper is doing a show, people like that. Um, This is coming to India fairly soon. Um, And I think, you know, I see sort of the possibility here that um, Watch, the the news section of Watch could be um, what Facebook hasn't really had, which is a destination for news. Where you know, especially during breaking news moments, where do you go on Facebook? Given you know, it's serendipitous how how newsfeed works, and this could be sort of that. I think you know, as we roll it out internationally, that news destination that Facebook has lacked, where we can ensure that there's great news programming. That the best news video out there is getting a home, not that it would be removed from newsfeed, but that there is also a separate surface where we can really highlight the best of what's out there. Um, I'm excited about it. I think it's it's going to be. No, it sounds be...
1: great, but this is the only video, though.
2: Only video, yes.
1: And what I mean, what I was reading up uh, before this was that the amount of news in U.S. that would show up on a typical on a typical newsfeed is, if it was five percent, it's now dropped to four percent. Um, is this to sort of make up for that kind of drop or is it just to sort of eventually you'll see less, even less than 4% news no, in the newsfeed No, no.
2: I think um, what, when the 5% to 4% was what I was addressing earlier when, when Mark made the change at the beginning of the year. But what we're, our hope is, is we add these additional ranking changes and over time begin to work with publishers to develop more signals for how we define credible sources, quality news, that that 4% will be sort of a different kind of news. That it will be, there will be, if we can make this work, less competition because quality news is getting more visibility. And that's what we're boosting over everything else. We again, I I repeat what I said before, very much a work in progress. Um, And we really have to spend time working with publishers to... To build consensus around the kind of signals that um that will work and that we all believe define you know what quality news looks like
1: and and that's very hard campbell as i'm sure you know right and as you are saying um i was privy to a conversation about four or five years ago uh, that google was trying to champion at one point i think they called it the freedom project or the Trust project. I'm not sure if it's two different things or the same I thing. I think the trust project Richard, is what you're yeah, referring to. Yes, um,
2: and we support the trust project as well.
1: But that took, uh, you know, uh, as we discussed once before, it, it took a long, t- it took almost 10 years for that to even get uh, right. it even put into one document. Um,
2: and we, we don't have 10 years. We don't. There is urgency to doing this. Um, you know, news is um, but you need our Absolutely, but I, th- there are certain things I think that we can come to agreement on pretty quickly. Like if a news organization has a corrections policy, right? And they publish corrections when they make a mistake. That to me seems kind of like a no-brainer that that could potentially be a signal to define quality. Um, it, it's hard to do um, also because you, you, know, you want to be transparent but you also don't want to have bad actors um, you know, manipulate the system either by understanding what the rules are. So um, this is gonna take a lot of work, but we are, we've taken some steps, as I said before, to boost what we're calling broadly trusted publishers and you know, also capturing um, with our informative boost, which again ranks stories as, as how um, informative you think you are, they are rather, um, to, to capture those publishers who may not have the same big brand that you do, for example.
1: So is it, is it a democratic sort of tool that users will sort of decide whether it's credible or not credible or do or do so we right decide So right now
2: before? we're relying on user surveys around broadly trusted, um, which is um, taking a, a you know a constant surveys they're happening daily which take a broad cross section of people and ask them two questions you know, are you familiar with this news organization do you trust this news organization, and then what we try to do is is figure out which, which news organizations are trusted by a people with a broad and diverse set of reading habits. So it's not, it's not a popularity contest, it's more of um, trying to figure out who, it, who, because who is. Because
1: my, my, my feeling is that in India, any real journalism will lose a popularity contest. You know? <laughs> so um, no, so I mean, actually yeah, this that's, is a concern that it has to be, right. I mean, you've got to obviously weed out all the fake accounts You know, while you're doing right. this in parallel. Uh,
2: so that, that's why I say this is a work in progress. Um, it's you know, and we need publishers to help us figure this out in order to get it right.
1: You mentioned local. Uh, I'm assuming these are all things that are origin. All these thoughts, uh, the the thought process behind these products are originating in Silicon Valley, uh, and they're sort of coming into India as a second stage. Um, yeah. When and India is the largest user base for Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't last year. I think it is this year. Yeah. Um, Will we ever start thinking about product innovation that Facebook is doing for news in India? Because it's a completely different market, as you know. Yes. There are 15 major languages, yep. uh, 1.2 billion people.
2: That's why I'm here. <laughs> so um, we are you know, part of um, the News Partnership's work, um, falls under the umbrella of what we call the Facebook Journalism Project. And it is kind of a forum to to work much more closely with publishers around exactly this, and we you know, met with a lot of publishers yesterday. You were a part of it to to get feedback and input on how we're thinking about these things. But we've really, you know, focused on three pillars that we um, that will define our work and has been defining our work. Um, number one being collaborative product development we have to do that better and that means having you in the room you know as gran as being as granular as we can be you know in a perfect world your engineers in the room with our engineers um, as we're trying to figure out what is going to work and what's going to be effective the second pillar is around tools and training for journalists um, we've done some of that here already um, we need to do a lot more we we are starting to grow the team so that we can do this more effectively.
1: And it needs to be in local languages. Yes,
2: absolutely, absolutely. And then the third pillar is tools and training for people. And this doesn't get as much attention um, because it's just kind of not as sexy as technical solutions to fake news, but it is critically important and it's an area where we're making major investments, which is around uh, news and digital literacy. And teaching people, um, you know, how to be discerning about different sources of news. Uh, My kids, um, who are eight and nine, are probably never going to open a textbook in their entire lives. Every bit of information they get is going to come from the internet. Um, They don't have the skill set to really understand uh, what the difference is between quality news and, you know something that's fly-by-night, what the difference is between opinion and fact-based journalism, and it's something that we have to teach. So we're developing curriculums um, that we can share with schools, um, and then we're doing massive marketing campaigns, which you've probably seen some of, uh, to educate people about false news and and how to address it.
1: I feel like doing the whole interview again uh, with WhatsApp as the center of the conversation. What Firstly, what is Facebook's operational relationship with WhatsApp? Let's.
2: Facebook, it's part of the family, you know. <laughs> is, is how I would describe it. You know, Instagram, WhatsApp, Messenger, Face, the blue app, Facebook, also. Sure. Yeah.
1: So I'm sure. But you're-
2: I, um, so I, I can speak uh, about WhatsApp to a certain extent. WhatsApp, um, because news, you know, is not publishers aren't really using WhatsApp. It's not been a focus, except in the area around false news, which is obviously a, a huge focus and a very serious issue.
1: So what are we doing about that with WhatsApp? You know it's extremely—it's yeah. a major problem in this part of the world, especially in India. Yes. Um, there have been several cases of deaths that have actually traced back to WhatsApp. Um, so how do we? How, it is a major issue, it's before elections. Um, what are the major steps that we're taking to tackle that?
2: So this is hard um, because WhatsApp is encrypted. It, it's, it's very hard. There have been some product changes um, to, to address some of the challenges. Um, one being that you can, um, you're limited to forwarding five pieces of content. Um, that's,
1: so, so what does that mean exactly, right? So I think there's, there's some confusion about this yeah. particular one. You can forward f- to five people, you can forward five times. You...
2: F- a, a piece of content, I want to make sure, uh, Anki's probably here, she'll correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> I and mean, I get this right. But a, um, a piece of content, or what, you can forward to groups or whatever, but only five times with the same piece of content. Does that make sense?
1: So you can, so if, if I've got, Five groups of two hundred people each. I can yeah. forward to five groups uh, yes. five times. Yes. Is there any sort of thought about
2: also just to just quickly on the product changes? Um, there's also now um, a label that shows you when something has been forwarded. So you know, none of this is by any means a perfect solution, but it gives you more visibility into you know what what you may be looking at.
1: So you know on facebook for instance uh, let's take the most extreme example it is impossible to uh, to upload or consume child pornography right, right. Uh, that, is, is, that the, is can that be the case on whatsapp is it the case right now and can it be can it be enforced similarly on whatsapp
2: so whatsapp is a direct messaging app that is encrypted so no one knows there's what's no, on the platform no one's except tracking for it except the people who are participating in that conversation
1: can it be tracked? Do you think there's something that you would suggest as a journalist to your, um, to your family members at WhatsApp? <laughs> to... Um
2: you know, the the WhatsApp was created as um, with the intent of of privacy. I mean that's part of what okay. people want from WhatsApp. But there's no question that the um, the the challenges here are real. And and quite frankly, you know, it's it's a challenge for everyone. It's a challenge for government. It's a challenge for media. It's a challenge for, um, you know, educating people. It's how what we can all do together to really help people understand. This is, goes back to what I said before: the media and digital literacy piece, and ha- helping people be discerning about what they see. Um, there's, you know, false news has been around since the beginning of time. This is not a new phenomenon. Yep. What's changed is the, how quickly it can spread. And so, you know, the most single, most important thing that we can do is education.
1: Okay. Um, so we're going to open up to the audience for questions. Can I just see a quick show of hands? But all those who have questions, comments, can we start here on the right, place? Hi, um, I'm a Facebook user. I'm sure I don't really know how it works. Um, and my question is about why you think you need to uh, sort of. Uh, what was the word you used? Upgrade or downgrade? News stories. Why is that even a need? I mean, why can't people choose what they want to view from their friends and family? You, also- you,
2: you do. Um, it, it's. I mean, what's in your news feed is what you choose. It is um, content that you, you know, from your friends and family, or publications that you follow, and it, it's the ranking of those pieces of content in your newsfeed um, that is based on what you engage with, what you, you know, if you share something, if, you know, that the algorithm tries to understand what you're engaging with most, you know, what, what you like to see most, and then shows you that in that order. Um, in terms of ranking quality news, Um, It's something given, I think, some of the challenges that we've had in the past that we feel is really important. Uh, Publishers are struggling right now. And basically, anyone can call themselves a publisher. You know, that's the case today. And so, as a journalist, I believe there is a difference between people who are doing real journalism and someone who sets up shop and calls himself a publisher and is not a journalist. And so, you know, we've not ever before, I think, felt like we had to step in, except that given the current situation when anybody can call themselves a publisher and try to manipulate, you know, our platforms the way that bad actors have tried, that it's incumbent upon us to do something. And we take this very seriously, and and I think it matters.
1: You know, Campbell, most of the rhetoric from Facebook, and from Silicon Valley, not just Facebook, has always been, we're a platform. We don't get involved in content, we don't editorialize, we we don't have any editorial calls. Uh, I see that that's kind of changing a bit from what I'm hearing from you. Is that yeah. you are making editorial calls every
0: now and then?
2: Well, we're leaning on the community, which is why you know you, you you raised a concern about the broadly trusted surveys. But part of the reason we use surveys is to have the community essentially tell us. Um, it, it's you know in terms of editorial judgments, it's. Um, you know, I don't like, for example, with the content we're funding and Watch, the the shows themselves, we, we have no editorial control. They're completely in the hands of journalists. But I do think- But
1: you're choosing someone to fund, right? You're, you're yeah. making some choice. At some point, yeah. it always comes down to a judgment on content.
2: I, and again, I think given what happened, um, you know, in the election um, in 2016, we We have to take a stand in certain areas to ensure that um, that the, there is you know people are seeing accurate information. you know we have a set of community standards that that you know tells people what is and isn't allowed on the platform, and that's always guided you know the rules of the road, so to speak, for Facebook. but in addition to that, um, you know the challenges around false news have made it clear that we have to be really you know smarter and more discerning about, you know, our work with publishers and what gets visibility.
0: Sure. We have one here. Um Hi, I want to know what purpose does forwarded serve? It all it does is absolve the last person who sent the message. How does it make how do how does one justify the veracity of that message? It doesn't make a normal person wouldn 't be able to judge whether it 's true or false merely by the label forwarded
2: you 're right and and that 's why I go back to what I said before about education being so critically important um, and to make sure that you know people understand what 's happening and when there is any doubt that they don 't forward a message
0: yeah uh, i I have a question, sorry, I know i 'm handling the bike, but i couldn 't. Uh... <laughs> Resist. She says cheating. I'm so sorry. I'll come to you after this. You know, uh, this debate of uh, we shouldn't silence the worst so that the best amongst us can be heard, uh, which is, you know, the justification for the absolute free speech. Fundamentally, that has been challenged as a philosophical construct now, you know, everywhere. Uh, You've been a journalist. What is your personal view of this, this, uh, you know, kind of conflict?
2: I am... um I am pretty much a free speech absolutist as a journalist. Um, I think, you know, if anything, at moments in time when we are feeling polarized, I think in, you know, in countries where you have authoritarian leaders or leaders with authoritarian tendencies, you know, the last thing you want to do is start reining in free speech. I just, I feel very strongly about it, and it, you know, the the bad speech, um, is is something we have to tolerate if we all want to have free speech. Um, that said, the community standards um, that we use you know, doesn't pretty much define what's allowed. And so there, there are areas where, in an effort to com- keep the community safe, we don't want you know, terrorism, nudity, hate speech, um, threats of any kind, bullying on the platform, and we do take a stand around those issues to, to take that content down.
1: Campbell, you joined uh, a thoroughbred journalist. Um, did, you, did you feel that culturally it was going to be always difficult for you to sort of fit into a tech company? Did you, did you ever sense there was going to be a bit of a conflict in your daily sort of...
2: When I was interviewing for the job, I remember saying, look, you, you guys really need to know, I, I have no experience with tech. I can barely operate my computer. Um, I, I don't know how to use PowerPoint. I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> Um, and they said, that's fine. We've got plenty of people who understand tech. <laughs> what we need are people who understand journalism.
1: But I'm sure there would be a few conflicts that would come out, just culturally, but between tech and. Ju- because if I talk to my tech team and my journalism team, it's like, you know, I, I just, just based on that, I can tell you. I think you made a comment once about the fact that you probably wouldn't have threatened to sue The Guardian um, uh, for, for publishing Cambridge Analytica. Um, <clears throat>
2: Well, I it's you know the conversations that we have are more between engineers and and our teams who um who you're right we don't see the world the same way but that's why I was brought in and our teams are are you know present in these conversations to make sure that um you know, they have no experience in a newsroom to make sure when they're building products and developing things that they understand how things really work in the real world of media and that we can be a voice in the room um, around the product development process or ranking changes or anything like that to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This is not a good idea. This will actually hurt publishers or this will like this is. That's, that's the intent. And we have many heated discussions. Um, but it's the kind of company where people, you know, I, and coming from news, I mean, we used to have crazy arguments in our editorial meetings. And it's I like that kind of you know, intellectual challenge to, to work with people who, who feel passionately about the work that they do, and then to be the person who can advocate for publishers in the room when these conversations happen.
0: Sure. We have one here.
2: How are you involving journalists in the conversation, particularly in India? What are you doing? So um, we, part, of, part of why I'm here um, is, um, is to get feedback directly from publishers and journalists. Um, and we have um, spent time meeting with people this trip um, because my team wants to, to engage much more. I think than we have in the past, particularly in India, because as you said, it is a really incredibly important market, our biggest market, and for that reason, um, we we want to make sure that there is more communication between us about things that are going on. Um, that you know, I, to get us to a place where we can be um, as transparent as possible and give people warning about changes that are coming. As I said before, it's a tech company. There's always going to be change. People, you know, live for change at Facebook. That's not the case with publishers. But if we can be much more transparent and have conversations throughout the process, I think it will be much, I think the relationship will be stronger.
1: Hi. Uh, You mentioned twice that uh, India is a big market uh, in terms of users for Facebook. So, when are you planning to launch the uh, video service which uh, you spoke about watch
2: it's coming soon i can't say exactly when but but relatively soon and part of the reason let me just add to that um, part of the reason for the delay is there there are a lot of things to figure out um and we want to make sure it works (laughs) and works well before we roll it out internationally and so it's taken it's taken a year of, of a lot of people working on it to get it to a place where you know we feel like it's a it's a good product
1: and would you ever consider it competition to youtube
2: um i i don't think i mean youtube has been around far far longer and um i you know i i don't think of it that way um, we, we're just getting started.
0: Ms. Brown, first of all, I hope you feel better with your Thank health. you. Um, it's been a really, helping. that's good. Um, I have a question about, um, you being a global brand and a brand that has been around for a, more than a decade. Um, I come from a country that's very small in comparison to India or some of the other nations, Afghanistan, 12% of our population uses social media, out of which 96% of them um, rely on platforms like Facebook. Um, I faced a personal experience a while ago where um, I loved Facebook because it connected me back to my homeland. But the downside of that was fake accounts, something Facebook's taking more seriously. Um, I want to understand, how do you make products that are done at the Silicon Valley? applicable to smaller nations um let me let me go a bit in depth about that your two sort of tick marks which le- legitimizes that you are a um a, a sort of not a fake account right in my case in afghanistan if i am giving commentary that also political commentary nobody understands what two ticks are um, and I face a massive challenge trying to prove every day my authenticity. So I want to understand as a global brand that is responsible for deriving and, and getting rid or reducing crime and fake accounts, how do you apply it to countries outside English-speaking world? That is a really good question. Um,
2: you know, to me, it's a, it, it's a question around education. And it's gonna take time it's just gonna take time um, it's um, when you only have ha- what did you say twelve percent yeah when you only have twelve percent of the country engaging it's 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 a process around education and um you know we 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 have a lot of work to do I think to to help educate people better and and help them understand the platform better in places where um, Facebook is you know, more nascent. Hi, Um, so in response
1: to a lot of the data breaches
2: that have recently happened, Facebook has cut off um, kind of a lot of the data access through its APIs, right? So something like the search function and instead is now offering uh, kind of data to a select group of academics and researchers through Social Science One um, and Gary King. And I'm just curious to understand what was the thinking behind that decision and what do you hope to achieve with that? With what decision specifically sorry with kind of shifting that data access um, instead of through the API
1: which is a which kind of a wider set of group can have access to and rather giving it to a select set of academics and researchers
2: um, okay so I, I mean part of it is protecting people's privacy obviously um, that does I mean that's a huge part of it and that is on us to ensure that we do that um, yeah. In terms of publishers and the and publishers need to to understand their audience, we are developing tools um, through, you know, Facebook analytics is one that we've been working on uh, recently with publishers to try to help you better understand your audience. Um, CrowdTangle, which is, um, um, you, yeah, 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 it, yeah, right. So CrowdTangle to me is a fantastic tool. Um, it is a company that Facebook acquired right around the time I started and we're growing that team to train more newsrooms on CrowdTangle. If you're not using it, it's, it, I really, it is a fantastic tool for understanding, you know, who your audience is, how your content is doing, and then, you know, compare it with your competition as well. So I, um, I, think our tools are going to get keep getting better in that area. Um but the data privacy issue is obviously paramount for us and and there's no sort of going backwards on that.
0: Uh thanks Campbell. We're actually out of time though we have a lot of questions. Um <laughs> Anand if you have another you can shoot. You have another question before you got another question.
1: Um no I guess you know Campbell I think your job in my view is um it's not it's not easy. Uh I feel like there's Especially post, uh, in the last one and a half years, it's been, a lot, it's been, a, it's been tough to, uh, I'm sure you get a room full of angry journalists asking you really tough questions. Um, so no, I, I, I can't say I have a question, but I would just sort of you know, uh, hope and advise that you keep India just as important and a center to product development uh, with the new side of Facebook. Because you know, there's a lot of people that, uh, that's, that's access to content and news is actually, for the, on the first screen is Facebook. Um, I don't think that's the case in America, so I think actually, you know, it India's more important in a sense that you get the product right than uh, yeah. than, than it is in the US, and the kind of things that you've got to tackle with, you know, the amount of fake content and fake news that's going around. Uh, it's really important that we can't make the we can't make the mistake again that happened uh, in the U.S. elections last time. So I
2: I could not agree more. And and let me just say I I um, he's sitting here somewhere. I can't see very well. But um, we have a new head of news here in India, who you all should meet, Manish. Where is he? Wave your hand. I can't. See. The light's too bright. There you are. Um, and we are growing our team here to be. Um, to be able to be more supportive. We have an amazing Facebook team, and and I encourage you all for the publishers here in India to reach out to them. They are rock stars. And um, we will be adding additional people, um, a full-time person to work on the integrity issues around WhatsApp and Facebook, and, and additional support for publishers because India is so important to us. So I hope, I, I hope it's helpful. And just thank you to all of you. you. Your, Your questions were much appreciated. Really nice to be here.
0: All the News Laundry
2: podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform.
0: Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent